Welcome to Career Tools. Today, we conclude our conversation on presentation attire. And by the way, if you don't know, nominations for this year's podcast awards is now open. So whether you're a Career Tools fan or not, go to podcastawards.com and nominate your favorite podcast. All right, here we go with today's show. Okay, so we finished our first point, our dressing. So let's go on to our next point, which is keep it simple. I think really here it boils down to wearing the same thing virtually every time, right? You don't have to, we don't have to be different and distinct every time we do a presentation. Yeah, look, have one or two presentation outfits and use them when presenting, right? And look, it's a little bit of boringness is okay. We needn't suddenly become fashion conscious. Hopefully, we've killed that idea, right? Yeah, you don't I need think, to I think start we'll mixing that out. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to start mixing and matching all of a sudden, right? You're not going to be a dandy. Get a couple of outfits, wear them only when presenting, clean them when you're done, and you'll always be ready. Right now, a nice aside to this is that when your friend or coworker sees you in this outfit, they're going to know that you're presenting, and maybe they'll kid you a couple of times. But at some point, they're going to just end up saying, "Hey, you're presenting, huh?" And frankly, it's a lot cheaper doing it this way. Yeah, it's cheaper, right? And also, when you're getting ready to make a presentation, you have your mind on a thousand other things, right? What material you're going to cover, how you can present it. You, you might be thinking about doing some pre-wiring for folks. There's a lot of stuff going through your mind, and the last thing you need is just to have the additional stress of figuring out what you're going to wear the morning of your presentation. Yeah, and I would argue that some women might do that, but men are more likely to stress about it for a couple of days and not know what to do and then not go to the store to fix the problem. And, and guys, it doesn't take months to get the things we're recommending. And I, can I just go back something? Before, I, I got to tell my story about, about how often I present and how I've made it as simple as possible. I want to go back, and this may not be the right time to do it, but hopefully we've still got a lot of, a lot of people listening in. I know there are some women who tuned out during the men's recommendations. And I know there are some guys who turned out during the ladies' recommendations. And this is career tools, so we're talking about you as an individual. But please don't miss this point. At some point in your career, maybe now, you're going to have people of the other gender working for you. Do you get it? If you're a guy, you need to know what the recommendations are for women so you can tell the women working for you what to wear when they present. Folks, if you're a manager, part of your career is helping your directs. That's what makes you successful, right? That's part of results. So if you're a guy and you have a woman working for you and you're recommending she present, and dear God, let's hope you are all the time, tell her what to wear. Here are my recommendations. She might choose not to, but when somebody else on your team, male or female, starts dressing up, she's going to notice. And ladies, maybe you would ignore our recommendation for guys because it doesn't apply to you, but you definitely have men working for you and you need to tell them what to wear. And you could tell them exactly what we recommended. Hell, give them the copy of the show notes and say, these guys recommended this. It made a lot of sense to me. It's what I do. Here's what I'd recommend. Do this. So I, I just want to make sure that point get, gets clear that if you're a leader, you're going to have the agenda working for you. And that means you need to know both sides of the coin. That's a great point. Hey, even if you're not a leader, you're going to have some of your peers ask you for advice. And man, it'd be nice to offer them good advice, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Let me just mention my point about keeping it simple. For years, I wore, and, and still do wear often, the same black Tommy Bahama 100% silk dress trousers 
underneath blue or white dress shirts. I have 10 to 15 pair of them. I don't do it as often now because they've changed styles because of fashion, interestingly enough. And their blacks are not really black. They're kind of a kind of an off black color. It's not, I, I don't think it looks as sharp. There was a lot of reasons for it. One is I just didn't like wool and the, the silk was a lot lighter. It was simple, simple, simple. They were very versatile. I could play golf in them, frankly. And I only bought shirts that went with them. I mean, I, there were shirts that I loved that I did not buy because they wouldn't go with my Black Time of Bahama 100% silk dress trousers, okay? Now, look, my need for simplicity is so exacerbated by my travel and by hotel dry cleaning. It's bizarre, okay? But the fundamental principle is, in keeping it simple, it took me no time at all to be ready. Some of you have watched our packing video on the web if you're a premium subscriber, and it's a no-brainer for me to pack. Every single pair of trousers in my in my closet is the same. I can pick any one of them as long as they're not suit trousers, and I've got it set, right? And my shirts are virtually all the same. Oh, there are three or four different kinds of blue, lighter blue and darker blue, Land's End, uh, Brooks Brothers, and so on. I find myself going back to Land's End now, but the Brooks Brothers are a no-brainer. And by the way, the ones that they have, the, the Brooks Brothers they have at the Milwaukee Airport and I think at the St. Louis Airport and the Dallas Airport and at the LaGuardia Airport, I, you know, I just want to, every once in a while, I just want to kiss them for being there when I need an extra shirt because I had to wear an extra one to a client dinner because I didn't want to wear the one I presented in all day because it was soaking wet and that was my last shirt. I always pack an extra shirt and it's always one of the ones I recommend, okay? And not having to worry about packing not having to worry about what I'm wearing to present gives me more time to go over my slides, go over my notes, go over the persuasive points I'm going to make in a client day. Okay. So we're done, right? I mean, all you got to worry about <laughs> is the shoes you wear, the pants you wear, the shirt. That's it, right? Yeah, sure. Now, number four, get a haircut. That's part of what we wear? Really? Yeah. No, look, that's the thing. Too many of us neglect our hair when we're thinking about what to wear because we narrow our focus to our attire versus our presentation. And of course, we said presentation attire. And some people thought, oh, we're only going to talk about attire, but we're also talking about presentation, right? And it's a presentation. So let's present well, which means our total look, gentlemen, get a haircut. If for no other reason than to clean up your neckline and over your ears, it makes a difference. People notice. Okay, ladies, go to the salon and look sharp in front of the group. Now, if you're presenting every week, we're not suggesting go to the salon every week, um, but we are suggesting that if you're presenting regularly, you ought to be looking, do I need a haircut or a, a salon trip a little bit sooner than I normally would? Okay, so since we're expanding this thing to our entire presentation, I suppose you're going to say something like, well, men, we can't put stuff in our pockets. Yeah, look, I, I'm... T I, I, I'm amazed that people stand up in front of an audience of 250 people on an elevated stage, put their hands in their pocket, and jingle their keys. I mean, it just looks vulgar. And I'll tell you what, you better be a billionaire. If you're a billionaire, okay, but then you're not listening to this show, right? Gentlemen ought not to have anything in their trouser pockets ever. Guys, that includes the wallet in your back pockets. Okay, jeans, they're not really trousers. or They are, but you want to put something in your jeans pocket, okay, fine. Okay, things in your trousers mess up the drape and your the line of your trousers. Uh, if, if your trousers have been tailored particularly, or you got them fitted, they're fitted without things in your pocket. Okay, if your jeans have a skull ring on the back of them, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> it's especially true in presentations to have your trousers look the way they were made to look. Having nothing in your pockets adds to your overall look of sharpness. 
going further, right? Nothing in your pockets won't make noise. <laughs> if you have nothing in your pockets, that nothing will not make noise. And with nothing in your pockets, you're not going to reach into your pockets and find something to fuss with when you're nervous or when you're waiting. And I've seen it happen. Oh man, I can't put my hands in my pockets and rock back and forth on my toes and my heels. Um, you can, I'm sure you're, I mean, you're a Taekwondo guy, you're a black belt, so you're capable of doing that. It looks like hell. I don't recommend it. It looks awkward. You know, I, I, I think frankly, it borders on either overly casual or arrogance in a way that's not effective. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of places, you know, historically men's trousers didn't have pockets. And that would do well for presentations. A lot of men have their suits trousers, suits, suits made, their trousers without back pockets, so they don't put anything in the back pocket. Uh, one more thing about emptying your pockets. Uh, you and I both know this from West Point, that one of the things every presenter had to do, was every, every professor had to go through every class outline in front of a team to get okayed to teach that class, whether it was English or rocket science. And the first thing they did uh, before they started teaching was they emptied their pockets into a particular desk drawer. And they held their chalk in their hands if they, in fact, were going to use the chalkboards. And that was it. And it was it was a standard. And it works. And in my opinion, it, it's a matter of respect between the presenter and the audience. And I guess you're going to tell me that I can't wear my five Super Bowl rings on my hand. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't wear your five Super Bowl rings because you don't have them, man. <laughs> oh, okay. But you don't yeah. wear yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish. Yeah. Um, look, gentlemen, wear a watch and a wedding band. Okay, if you if if you have one, no neck chains, no bracelets. Ladies, you can get away with a simple chain around your neck. Smaller earrings are better. Studs are probably best of all, ladies. You know, you said no bracelets for men. Is that true for women as well? No, bracelets are can, can be okay for women, though more than one or two is probably too much. Bracelets present a particular problem in presentations when we present. We make larger gestures with our arms than we normally do, or at least, let, let's put it this way, effective presenters do, okay? Bracelets can bang together. They can make noise. They detract from the very technique, moving your arms more, that you are using to be effective. If you have a habit, particularly some women have a habit of adjusting their bracelets when they're nervous or fiddling with them, then just wear none, okay? Okay, then our next point, highlighting your arms. Now, this is kind of a bonus because... I didn't always understand this, and I learned this by watching you present. So it's kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, it applies more to men than women, okay? When we present, the effective presenters in the world know that you have to raise your energy level, that the total energy in the room is everybody else's energy plus the presenters, okay? Everybody else is sitting down. They've got a very low contribution of energy to the room, and you have a lot if you're standing up, Okay. Um, we have to raise our energy level, okay? We need to speak more loudly than we would normally would, right? And yes, even if you have a microphone on, raising one's voice increases the available range we can use for dramatic effect, okay? Essentially, you get higher highs and lower lows, and you get louder louds and softer softs if you start by raising your voice, okay? The same thing is true um, for our gestures when we're presenting, okay? They need to be bigger than they normally would. Okay. Bigger gestures keep our audience's attention longer by accentuating our presence, catching their eye when they drift away. Uh, it accentuates our presence and our, of course, our movement. An additional way to accentuate them is it not, not just by making them bigger than we normally would them, is to dress so that attention is drawn to our arms. 
And for men, lots of professional speakers, this is, some people are going to laugh when they hear this, but I do it. For men, lots of professional speakers know that the way to do this is to wear a sweater vest. Okay. Now look, if you had told me years ago, I'd wear a sweater vest, I would have laughed at you. They're not my style at all. But I have since learned that they work. Audiences notice my gestures more when I wear black trousers, a black sweater vest, admittedly with a Pebble Beach logo on it, and a white or a light blue shirt. Okay. In other words, they see a black column and then white things sticking out of the side if you think just strictly geometrically. I bet your kids think you're really cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. My kids think I'm a dork for wearing them, and I still wear them. And of course, I kid them back that I took a picture of a, a, an Accenture ad in the DFW airport of Tiger Woods hitting a ball in a sweater vest. So Tiger Woods wears them. So he's pretty good at what uh, he does. So, you know, maybe maybe it's me and Tiger Woods, right? Not not so much. But look, how, how much do I like him? Enough, enough to wear them even when it causes me to sweat more, particularly when I'm in client rooms, which are not as cold as we might like them to be. And look, I, I don't I don't like the fact that I kind of look dorky in them, but I know they work and I wear them because they work and I feel better putting it on. It helps the audience. We want you to feel good about how you look, but we also want you to be effective. And frankly, in this case, Fernando Lamas is right. It's not how you feel. It's how you look to your audience. And you look marvelous in a, uh, in a sweater vest. So I wear them and it works. Excellent. All right, so now that we've covered the, the, the how-tos, the what's to do relative to attire for presenting, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about why this matters so much. And for those of you who don't care and you're just going to do what we suggest and bully for you and you can tune right. us out now, but a lot of folks want to know why this is so important. Right, but, but with a caveat though, right? We made the point a little bit late earlier in the cast that if you're a man, you may have women working for you, you're going to have to tell them why you're going to have to tell them what to wear. And if you're a woman, you're going to have to tell men who work for you what to wear, right? You're going to have to help them dress up and keep it simple and so on. Well, okay, but let's be smart about being persuasive, right? Some people are going to want to know the why rather than just saying, well, I heard a podcast. So for some of you who may be getting ready to turn out, I just would suggest this may be the underpinning you need to convince one of your superstars who's a little bit arrogant or who thinks presentations are a little bit beneath him or her. These may be the kind of points you may need to use to convince him or her to take a step up to be perceived the right way. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, folks, really great presenting is all about the audience. It's rule number one about presentations. It's one of the reasons that people tell us that we're good because we focus on our audiences, we build the presentations around what they can deal with. And everything we're talking about here is designed to make you look good to the audience. And if your individual who's sharp and wants to get promoted doesn't want to present, he or she doesn't realize the audience could make a difference. Okay. So, so why is this so important? Why, why, why should folks care? Yeah. Look, look, one of the things I've seen, and I mean, you and I have talked about this, right? I mean, we kind of shake our heads and we, we don't want to think of ourselves as, as, dismissive of the ideas, but for some reason, there's an opinion out there that presentations really aren't that important, right? Or, or, or they ought not to be important. Yeah, exactly. That They ought not to be. I mean, I think some people, well, either one, I think those are subtly different arguments, right? There's a feeling among many that presentations are unfairly or inappropriately used as an evaluation tool. And folks say to us, well, presentation success is irrelevant because the actual work that I do is what really matters. The actual work is not presentations, you know, 
for a financial analyst, complex analytical skills, knowledge of financial modeling, uh, those are the best test of one's value to the organization, right? right? They make the case that it's my job and not the presentation of my job that should matter. Right. And then we know folks that are so good at their job that they get away with it, right? They get, they're so good at the primary part of it that when it comes to presenting, they're awful and they get away with it. Right. Yeah. We met recently with an investment banking client who told us that one of their company's shining stars, a, a huge revenue producer, you know, tens of millions in that neighborhood, totally famous for his abilities, was sitting in front of our client, this particular executive we were talking to. And it was 20 minutes before this star person was supposed to speak at an annual event. And he walked out and never came back to that meeting, right? He had been sweating. He was pale. He looked awful. And frankly, our client doubted it was food poisoning, right? So look, for those of you listening who believe you can get by without being good on the podium, we totally admit to you it's possible. But despite our respect for all of our listeners, honestly, folks, we doubt you're that guy. Just by the law of large numbers, right? Probably not. For the rest of us. The bottom line is presentations are an appropriate, effective, and reasonable career tool to expect and for companies to use in their evaluation of us. And so, therefore, we ought to know how to do them well. Now, somebody could argue they're not that valuable based on our story about the top performer, right? You, As we said, you can get by without them. Some folks actually on our side of the argument, overdo their importance. They say presentations always seem to be the most important things in career successes. And we don't think that. They're not the most important part. And just to be clear, we're telling you, we want you to be good in presentations. We believe they're important. They're more important than most people believe. And they're not hard to get better at as based on what we told you earlier in terms of terms of attire, at least in that part. But to be clear, always, 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 folks, Manager tools is career tools is career tools is on the record saying now results are the most important criteria for career success, and we don't want to get in the way of that. Although unfortunately, there are places that would say one of your results is presenting, right? Yeah. Well, there's a number of reasons why that is all true, and first one being that others see you work. Right now, most people don't see you sitting behind your desk working all the time. This is where others see you. Yeah, look, I'm amazed by this. Is this is the one that over seventy percent of the time when we coach an executive or manager on speaking skills specifically, their boss is the one that hires us, right? And you know what that means, right? The boss says this guy's good, but he needs to learn how to present, or she needs to learn how to present, right? Yeah, yeah. What they say is he's good, but not enough people know how good he is because he can't present. Yeah, and in fact, they don't know how good he is. They think he's bad, right? Right. Yeah. When we tell them why presentation skills are so important, this is the reason, the fact that other people see them working, that surprises them the most. And here's why. When we work normally, our boss is not watching us minute to minute. And frankly, this is one of the reasons why micromanagement is one of the most overused acquisition accusations in business today. But that's a whole nother podcast. Micromanagement is almost non-existent for the most part. For most of us, our boss rarely sees us doing our work. Yeah, okay, yeah. Look, they look at the results of our work. They read reports of our work. They measure our work, but rarely do they directly oversee it. Matter of fact, if you're in your office and you're working and your boss walks in, 
you stop working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we it's funny how we want to define our work as a specific skill we use at our desk in order to avoid presenting. And yet then we admit that, oh, somehow we don't want our boss to see us working. So and I think that's maybe where the micromanagement accusation comes from. Hey, he was watching me work, so therefore he's a micromanager. Not hardly. Um, but look, when you present, your boss sees you. He hears you. He draws conclusion, both in real time while he's listening and after the fact. And while we call it presenting, it really is. And, and, and I think people call it presenting as a way of distancing it from their actual work, financial analysis, sales, whatever, right? While we call it presenting, it really is still our work. It's still our job. Yeah, what's more is it's it's not only our boss that sees us when we're presenting, but it's others seeing us, right? Others that are, are seeing our presentation and drawing conclusion about us. Yeah. I mean, our boss rarely sees us actually do the work. How likely is it our boss's peers are going to see us? Or or look, maybe even our peers, how likely are they to actually see us work day to day? Most of us would be a little bit creeped out if one of our coworkers sat down and said, can I watch you for an hour? We'd bet most of the folks who are listening right now, their boss's peers never see them work. Yeah, but why Why does that matter? I mean, the only thing that matters is how my boss feels about me, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Until you get to the steel cage death match, right? And your boss has to defend why you don't get laid off, or you come up with a succession planning meeting, and your boss has to tell everybody how great that you are, when they've never seen anything you've ever done. They know what your measures are, right? But they've never seen anything you've ever done other than what your boss says, other than presentations, right? Our careers are not just helped or hindered by our boss's opinion, by our, but by his or her peers' opinions. And and their superiors, their, their opinions count too. All of those whose eyes will be upon us while we're presenting, right? If we only rely on the people who see us actually doing our work and we exclude presenting from the work, which is wrong, but let's allow it, there's very few people who will ever see you do, do your work. Suddenly, what ends up happening is the people who make the decisions, the biggest portion, if not the lion's share in a major way portion of what they know about our work from seeing us work, actually seeing, consuming, uh, consuming our work, observing us actually working comes in the form of presentations. It's a huge thing and people just miss it. And, and so we tell clients who are, who are hired to coach, you better get this through your head, man. Other people judge you on not on your work, but on your presentations. They see the measure of your work and they're going to give you credit for it. But if the measure of your work is good and then you give crummy presentations, they're going to let their, you know, what's that old line? Are you going to believe what I tell you or or believe your lying eyes, right? right? Right. No, I'm going to believe my eyes when you presented and you did a terrible job. Well, you know that, that thing about being observed, right? This is where people see us doing our work because pre presenting is part of our work. There's another aspect of that that I, I don't think folks really think about a lot. You know, we talk about, well, how do you instill a culture? What is a culture? Well, part of right. that culture comes from all our shared experiences. I'll tell you what, presentations, that's got to be the largest contributor of shared experiences in corporate life today. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's important here beyond just people seeing us work is that when they see us, they all see us doing at the same time, they all see us doing the same thing. They share that experience. There's going to be a lot less arguing later about how good we were or what we said in a presentation or whether we were particularly good at it. But look, in most cases, when our bosses talk about our work, they're attempting to persuade other people about what we're good at, people who have never seen us do what we do. They have to be very good at persuading other people of our skills when they, those other people don't see us work, right? 
Now, they might have third-hand knowledge, but what they really want is first-hand knowledge. And the primary place they're going to get that first-hand knowledge, folks, like it or not, is in presentations. And sadly, so few bosses out there know they're supposed to carry the water for us at these meetings. Or so few of them bosses have built relationships with other decision makers, particularly peers, so that they can be persuasive. It means the few shared experiences there are, are much more important in terms of the perceptions of our abilities. Like it or not, whether our abilities are good or bad, it's the perceptions of our abilities that matter. There are so few shared experiences that our presentations become a huge part of the shared experience that the leadership of the organization have about us. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to give them data to use for you or against you or against yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Look, yeah, so look, we could talk about this from for hours. We're not going to uh, suffice to say that when we present well in front of our boss, in front of others, we create lots more data for them to use in our favor or not, as you said, than in weeks or months of normal work alone work. And many other folks see it at the same time, and that gives it extra weight when our boss says, don't you remember what, what Janine did uh, on that in that presentation? You realize how, remember how sharp she was and how totally in control she was? She's like that every, way, every day behind the scenes, and that's the thing that puts you over the top for getting promoted. Yeah. You know, look, and the great thing about presentation skills is that they're completely portable, right? Yeah. You know, but, but when I tell people this, they don't... I mean, I'm surprised people don't really, they don't seem to think it's a big deal, right? Um, everybody says they want to be evaluated based on how they do their job, whether it's welding or financial analysis, sales, customer service, whatever. But when we start changing jobs, sometimes our responsibilities change. However, once we start presenting, that always comes with us, right? And even more powerfully for most of you listening, presentations not only stick with us once we start, they become more and more of our career value because as you move further up the ladder and you're less and less involved in individual contributor, you're more and more involved in persuading other people and putting together coalitions and so on. Literally, it becomes more and more a part of your day-to-day work in terms of accomplishing your results because you can't get stuff done by yourself. Right. So they're not only portable across different jobs and different industries, they become portable as you grow in your position and they become that that's important because they become more and more a part of your uh, of what makes you successful. Well, they also stick with you. Once you've done a presentation, that becomes folklore. That becomes knowledge of you within the context of the organization. And I've hired directors as a result of somebody seeing somebody make a presentation 3 years prior to the point I hired them. Yeah, cuz you knew. You knew, right? You see him and you go, that guy can't be that good. He can't be that good in a presentation unless he has his ducks in a row because you, you, you knew enough about the technology he was talking about that you knew you can't fake that, right? All right. You can't fake a calculus exam. You might be able to fake an, you know, an English lit exam, but you can't fake a calculus exam, right? So in the technology stuff you're talking about, this guy knows his stuff. He's, he's describing and defending technology. He's answering questions at a level of detail that, that, uh, frankly, most people can't. And that means he knows his stuff and he comes across poison confident because he is poison confident. You don't get poison confident unless you're prepared and you're technically knowledgeable. Conversely, if you make a bad presentation, that's going to stick with you for a while yeah. too. So, Yep. Yeah. It's one of those delineators. Yep. It's like performing on a stage. Every performance an actor conducts is going to stick with him or her the rest of his or her life. Right. Right. And if you don't think there are reviews, being recorded, yeah, they may not be written down in paper. You may not find them in some pamphlet that handed out at the beginning of a play. But the fact is, there are reviews, and they do stick with you. If you're a manager and you're listening to this Career Tools cast, and and your career, 
lays upon the skills of other people. And believe me, folks, if you haven't figured that out yet, it does, right? Uh, why not, after a presentation, go and talk to three or four people who saw the presentation say, what, what did you have to say? Oh, she nailed it? Oh, he nailed it? That's good. Because how people describe their shared experiences uh, early on afterwards make a big difference in terms of how they go forward. And you may be able to sell somebody on a positive impression about one of your folks. So, yeah, they matter. They're portable. You'll carry your presentations with you for a long, long time, long past what any one financial anal analytical exercise or model that you produced uh, might, might last. Yeah. And look at it. We talk about it all the time. Communication is the most frequently used skill of virtually all the professionals we know. And guess what? Presentations are a form of communication. Yeah, it, it's fine to say the preparation. This, this is one of the ones that, that I like because it's fine to say presentations ought not to be as important as they are, right? I think companies overdo the importance of presentations, but the fact is that they do. They, they do value them, right? It's completely fine to say that ought to be as important as long as you also eliminate conversation, writing reports, email, telephone conversations, voicemail, text messaging, blogging, and every other form of communication from the evaluation of our abilities. Presentations are broad broadband and, and a matter of speaking communication communications, and that's necessary in modern organizations. So it's absolutely reasonable to evaluate people based on one of their most frequent, in fact, their most frequent skill in one particular area, which happens to be presentations. And the fact that they're broadband communications makes it even more important, right? Yeah, look, as you get, get higher in your career, you're going to have to reach more and more people at the same time. You can't do everything one-on-one -on -one as you rise in an organization. In the same way that an email to one direct is much easier than a broadcast email to hundreds of employees who are in your division, right? A conversation with your boss is much easier than a presentation to your boss and her peers and their boss or bosses you know, right? Those things are easier at a lower level. So, so presentations are by definition, something that we value. And you can re if you can reach more people effectively, you're more likely to be valued or to be good at a position that requires that of you. Presentations show your organization, your ability to speak to several or to many or to hundreds. And that's a skill we have to have if we're going to get, be given significant responsibilities over that many people. Yeah, and it goes without saying that presentations require preparation. Your organization is not going to trust you with more people or more budget or more influence over larger systems if it can't see that you can do the behind-the-scenes work that makes for good decisions and actions. You know, conversations can happen quickly without a lot of thought, and a lot of lots of our work can't really be measured by others who have never done it before. But if another professional has presented before, they're going to quickly be able to tell whether we've done our homework or not yeah, just like you said about the guy three years ago, right? I mean, you knew he had done his homework. And and look, we're not going to give big budgets to people who aren't prepared. And presentations are a quick and easy way. Okay, maybe you're not really, really clever with a turn of a phrase. But if you know your stuff cold, people at the top of your organization are going to see that in your presentation. Simple as that. Yeah, and it's not only just the, the work that goes into hard work, frankly, that goes into a, a, an effective presentation, but it requires content mastery. Right, and here's your opportunity to prove you have it. Yeah, you know, you know what frustrates me about this? This is this goes to that question of, well, I just want it to be about my job. What you don't think presentations are about your job? You want to be a division chief of a division that has sales and marketing and engineering and finance and HR? Surely it makes sense to have somebody at the top who's mastered one of those, right? We don't ask you to present about water on Mars. We actually present. We ask you to present about your job, and if you're a really good presenter. 
It shows that you've mastered the content, which is to say the nitty gritty of your job. If you're not a good presenter, it's reasonable for organizations to say, well, maybe he hasn't mastered the content. Now you can argue, oh, well, I have mastered the content. I'm just not good at presenting it. And then we would say, well, go back to the previous point, which is your job is to communicate as well as to master, right? Look, organizations use that lower level mastery of your job as a gate we have to pass through to lead to other areas. Presentations are unique in the sense that they show others our mastery of our area in a way that uh, the others can see and can evaluate it. Again, we don't want to promote somebody who doesn't appear to have mastered either their specialty or the primary way professional leaders communicate, which is broadband verbal communications, which is to say presentations. Yeah, well... And we have to talk about persuasion, right? I mean, persuasion has got to be one of the most inappropriately maligned and, you know, frankly, therefore undervalued professional skills of all time, right? Yes. If you're yes. Having, if you're going to have to present to a group, your role power obviously must not be enough to get whatever you want done, right? And yeah. so if, if it was, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, be presenting. <laughs> yeah, right. You just tell people what to do, right? Just pronounce yeah, role it. power is great. Yeah. And your expertise power must not be enough. Otherwise, other folks would surely be looking to, for, for a report. Right. So- Obviously, there's some requirement to be persuasive, and presentations are where you do that, or at least right. one of those places. Right. The you know, questions become, can you marshal an argument? Right. And if somebody were to say to me, and we hear this from young people all the time, oh, well, I don't have to be persuasive. I should do the facts are on my side. People should just agree with me. Well, okay, good luck with that. Right. It's not the way the world works. Okay. We want to know, can you marshal an argument? Right. Maybe you're having to negotiate with another company 10 years down the road. They're going to have their arguments. You're going to have to win arguments. You're going to have to persuade people. You're going to have to do this as an executive. Can you build a coalition? Can you convince the HR guy that in this particular case, we ought to break policy? Can you convince the sales guy that uh, that high uh, a target is actually worth it in terms of breaking into a new market? And he's going to have to really, really get his folks turned on and turned up and spend a lot of time learning new technology in order for us to break into a new market, which really has huge, huge, huge revenue and profit opportunities. You know, you have to be persuasive to do that. Can you address direct threats to your idea if you want to get an idea into the organization without being defensive? right? That you can show that in a, in a presentation. You're going to have to do that as an executive. And about the only tool organizations have to assess these skills are presentations and all of these things, all of them, your persuasive skills, your content mastery, your ability and willingness to prepare and work hard behind the scenes, the fact that you're going to have to present more broadly to more people at the same time over the course of your career, the fact that communication is the most frequently used skill that you have, the fact that presentations are poor Portable and that in that it's the one it's one of those few things that goes with you from job to job to job. The fact that it's shared um, that not only is it the others see you work, but others see you work at the same time and then they can share their experience. You put all that together. It's really hard to argue with. Presentations are not only important just because they are, they're important for some darn good reasons. And if you want to argue that I don't want to get better presentations, that's fine. But you do so in the face of ample evidence that they're a legitimate and reasonable way to evaluate people's presentation, to evaluate people's future career potential. And if you have future career potential and you want to take advantage of it, you're going to have to get good at presenting, even if it's not natural for you. Because you know what? We don't pay you to do what we like, what you like. We pay you to be effective in your job. It's not an 
enough just to do the parts of your job you like. You have to do all of it and do it well. And if you want an opportunity to lead and touch other people, which as a manager is one of those sacred things that once you've done it well, you never want another job. You want more opportunities to influence people for the positive. You're going to have to learn how to present well because that kind of stuff, the things we just went over, the whys of presentation are legitimate and reasonable and organizations use them now. They've used them before and they're going to continue to use them long after anybody's listened to this cast is around. Yeah. Presentations do matter. And if you want to be effective, then dressing appropriately is a good place to start. Dress up, keep it simple, get a haircut or get your hair styled, empty your pockets, minimize the jewelry, highlight your arms is kind of a bonus point there. There you go. Awesome, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see y'all again next week. Have a great one. So long. <laughs>